0: It is Saturday, the 12th of November, 2022, and this is The Future of Photography.
1: The Future of Photography.
0: Hey, everybody. Adrian here, and with me is Jeremiah. How you doing, buddy?
1: Uh, We're good. Good in California. We feel good. We've uh, dodged a big bullet here in America. So we live to fight another day and we are in a slightly elated mood uh, for those of us who did not have any money in FTX and those who will be listening on the crypto end know what I'm talking about. i'm fine thanks for your concern and <laughs> off we go in photography well
0: yeah let's do that off we go to photography so uh interesting chat today i think um uh and do you a know, bit, bit of context as well you know um uh, for us in, in we, we you and i have just been talking uh, just before we hit the big red record button about film particularly black and white film and the look of that and things like that so yeah well your 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 topic today what have you got for us where do we
1: start well i thought i thought it would be interesting to discuss a black and white film photography its relationship to digital black and white photography and that could include pure black and white cameras of which there are a few um and the conversion of color to black and white and, and the differences in sensibility um, in approaching a subject, i.e., what do you see when you're walking around? What are you looking for? Um, and the effect of black and white just, I think, um, writ large. What's our attraction to it now? I mean, we know where it started. Um, they didn't have color. Initially, it came reasonably quickly, by the way, reasonably quick, quickly. But in terms of the popular use of photography as a recording mechanism early on, um, black and white was how photography really came into the kind of cultural popular context. And I think that our response to black and white has been with us ever since but there is also a connection between etching, AKA dir, et cetera, line drawings, pencil drawings, and the abstraction of reality further than adding color, but just pure black and white. And so I thought it, it, it bears conversation in terms of the following. If we are going out for a photo walk, And we are looking at the world through a black and white lens, which really is about how light manifests on on the objects or subjects, how it reflects, without any other additional uh, information. And that could be more contrast, which is less gray um, or all gray. Um, And those have very different emotional um, responses and trips. Um, Also, I I thought it would be interesting to discuss choosing black and white film and what that means. Grainy, -grainy, non-grainy, large format, small format, um, high contrast, less contrast. Uh, And then the conversion of the negative through the printing process um, uh, or darkroom process, and all of these things in all these steps in, in our photographic uh, practice yield somewhat different results, um, and certainly different processes. Um, so I thought that's a, it's probably a good um, a good subject, and as it connects to the future of photography. I am willing to bet that black and white and that abstraction in photography will be with us forever, which, you know, in our case may mean the... Three hundred years that humankind has left.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know you. You started the podcast so positively as well. All right, oh, so that bland- is positive.
1: Could be two hundred years. Could be.
0: Yeah, fair point. Okay, all right. Fair point. But, anyway. So black and white. Yeah. So interesting. So I'm. I'm this this year possibly since about actually the last 15 18 months or so I've been shooting loads of black and white after having had years of shooting only color, and. It's a yeah, totally with you. It's a it's a different way of expressing. It's a different way of seeing. I have to say, modern cameras, uh, and particular particularly, sorry, I should be more specific. Cameras that actually show you what you're getting in black and white make that process for me so much simpler. Uh, you know, because you can just put the viewfinder to, you know, you put the camera to your eye or look at the screen on the back of the camera or whatever it is. It could be a phone. It could be a point and shoot. It could be a, you know, an interchangeable lens camera of some sort. And to see in black and white, I find really helps me with. Uh, I suppose not so much the composition, yes, but I was going to uh, get, but I suppose more than anything, it's the exposure and understanding when there is a black and white photo there. Because you can look at things and you can say, okay, there's some contrast there I want to capture. And then sometimes you put the camera to your eye and go, actually, no, because it's, and you, you mistakenly, you've mistaken color contrast perhaps for contrast in tone uh and yeah you know, and so having the tools there uh is amazing very different i find for me personally from shooting black and white film uh and looking through you know a traditional clear viewfinder and it and 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 uh it comes out differently for me i don't know well, how about you i mean you 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 what what's the difference between your way of seeing or your process when you're shooting film rather than digital
1: um A, it's, um, I would say for myself currently very, very different. Uh, and uh, maybe it it comes out of how I began my kind of exploration of photography, uh, initially, um, I'm, I'm self-taught as a photographer, um, and studied the zone system, um, and for those listeners who are not familiar with the zone system, I think it was Ansel Adams who came up with this. I believe um, so. Yeah, and, and it, it's well worth looking at at least in terms of <clears throat> understanding the multiple zones from pure black to pure white and all the different zones of gray in between and how to look at a scene that purely instructs the eye on the A, reflectivity of the light. In other words, does it absorb more light than it reflects, or vice versa, Uh, and the texture thereof, Uh, as well as where does it lie in that zone system? In other words, is that a... 18% gray and those of us who've been in the photography world for a long time uh, can recall got to pick up your 18% gray card and match it lens and when you're printing and that's to assure one that you're not getting a color cast towards blue or or amber but it is pure gray and that theoretically lies in the middle between black and white. They call it 18% gray because it reflects 18% of the light that um, is cast on it. When you go out into the world, looking at the world through the, the shades, dare I say, pun intended, of gray, you are looking at the world in a very different way. I always maintain that black and white is one of the most abstract um, realms of photography that also, for some reason, I think we've discussed this before on the podcast, also connects us with a kind of reality. In other words, we look at a documentary photograph, Robert Capra in war, uh, August Sander taking portraits of working people, the, turn of the century, those are in black and white, and we go, oh, God, that's so real. That's so beautiful. And yet, you know, anything, our brains, Anything but real. <laughs> it, anything but real. They're less real than, you know, th- than anything we, we could possibly see. And even people who are colorblind, it's not that they do not see color. They just see it in a different way. Uh, dogs as well. They have a more limited range of color, but color then exists. But when you eliminate color, you're looking at something that is purely about light and reflectivity. Um, and so the subject becomes that much more, I'm going to say, important, and I'm using air quotes here. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: and when I say subject, it could be just the pure compositional minimalism or layered, however you want to define it. But also, you know, a you know a, a a shadow of a twig on a white snow background is is a kind of pen and ink sketch done through the real world interpretation of how you see. So that's that's the first part is just looking at the world in a different way, and that's certainly one of the most um, inviting aspects of being a photographer is constantly looking at things that maybe yesterday seemed mundane, but today seem exciting because of the soft and misty gray light that is hovering over a landscape mm-hmm. or the sharp definition of sun on shadow and aspen trees. Those, those all evoke a different kind of emotive value. So that's part of it. And the second part is, okay, I wanna shoot black and white what camera should I use, what film should I select, and what is my process in making a print or putting it online or making it into a book. And and so all of these choices we make will have an impact on the final result. Choosing film is very much like choosing a brush. Uh, it's also like choosing a lens. Um, a very grainy, high-speed film will evoke um, what we would consider in the digital world noise, but it's not noise. <laughs> it's just our ability to see the actual silver halides floating around on their background and 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 being able to print them. But they also evoke a kind of rawness. Um, the advantage is that with that kind of grainy film, there's less silver to expose. It can be exposed faster. So we can shoot either at higher shutter speeds or in lower light.
0: And It's inter- interesting what you say there about a rawness, because I agree with you, but it, it's a bit counterintuitive in a way, because the more that you're seeing the, the effect of the chemical process... It, it, surely the less raw it is right so, so the, the purest raw would be the cleanest image wouldn't it but you're right there is a certain grittiness or rawness to a, a, a grainy image that is um uh that is that is really quite different from something that is clean and and and, and almost polished
1: yeah maybe we just also don't have the right words to describe it because maybe. what we call maybe what we call kind of rawness or 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 messy or dirty comes from the fact that we see a lot of quote dust and particles yeah, yeah, within maybe. the actual image. So that's the uh, that's the kind of evocation of, of the yeah. technique there. And 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 also, uh, you know, when I used to shoot uh, fashion, sometimes I would use a very very high speed film, grainy, and push it. You know, a stop, even two stops, so that the actual Process chemistry, rawness, grain would be as important as the actual subject. It would ah, actually okay. be yeah, yeah. medium and message mm-hmm. really uh, conjoined. And that would have an impact on the kind of film, you know, feel that, that we would see. Um, when we talk about film versus digital, You know, we we can also hearken back to the discussion of like CDs versus, (laughs) uh, you know, know, 33 and a third uh, discs playing on a, you know, scratchy stereo that has a warmth to it, shall we say. Um, But now one is able to duplicate that you can you can fake that warmth any way you want, both you know, visually and with audio. But still the aesthetic remains. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so let's go back going back to the selection of the film. If it's a bright, hot, gorgeous sunny day, one's instinct is to take a sharper, uh, slower, Um, film with us in camera. Um, And then the idea of pan or ortho. So I'll get a little bit into the weeds just in terms of how that film interprets or sees all of those zones of gray. It eliminates some, it leans towards more contrast, more black, leans towards more gray. And then the application of a filter on the glass is also a way of cutting or expanding uh, the way the film will interpret the reflectivity and the contrast and the way it sees the the grays. And that will have a different impact uh, later on. And certainly then when you take it to printing, if you're going the old fashioned route in a dark room, you then can print from a zone system. And we used to very much do multiples of you know, two seconds, four seconds, six seconds, eight seconds, just to see how different areas of a print uh, will respond. And then you can interpret that and then make an initial print and then burn and dodge, which are about applying more light and darkening a print and less light to elevate the, the contrast and, and arrive at, at your destination. Well, so it's, it is a, a longer uh, process. For me, if I go out to shoot film and I, I don't do that too much anymore, I tend to do it with larger format cameras. Um, and therefore I will shoot fewer shots. I'll put a lot more thought and consideration into my composition and my exposure. So I will slow down. I'm really trying to (laughs) recreate uh, something we've discussed uh, on this podcast, slow photography really a much more formal approach
0: so you so this takes us into this a nice little segue into the uh, into the thing that i think has at least partially inspired this topic today which is that you're planning for a little adventure aren't you
1: i am um i you know i'm i'm, I'm planning um to spend um a bit of the summer months at, and uh, by summer months, I mean winter months here, summer down in the Southern Hemisphere uh, in Antarctica. And, and um, so determining what kind of gear to bring <laughs> is a, uh, uh, an, an interesting conundrum. And then having selected a combination of both digital gear and analog gear, analog gear, no batteries necessary, that sounds
0: probably quite wise because um, the batteries won't last too long in the cold, will they?
1: Shouldn't I mean, who knows? But um, but yeah, I'm taking a GW uh, Fuji Six Nine, which is the largest format that I can carry comfortably over my shoulder. So. <laughs>
0: there's that well that, that yeah, those <laughs> fuji 69 cameras they're they're well known for being fairly junky beasties aren't they yeah you know, nice nice big yes. range finders from probably from the 80s possibly originally
1: yeah and i think they they are um what do they call it the the poor man or you know, texas like us yeah i've them. heard
0: that yes I, but, I heard that yes
1: but but they're more like um a poor man's Uh, four by five (laughs) because they're they're really half the format of a four by five so the negative is quite robust and i thought for classic really considered landscape photography in um, antarctica that would be a way to go uh, I think you should get some pretty website. good
0: detail out of that. Really, I mean, if it, you know, so yes, yeah. Yeah, so I know we these days we have digital cameras with hundreds of megapixels. If the, if you have one of those or whatever, uh, and even the even you know, mid-range ones are getting up to, kicking up towards forty megapixels these days. But a six by nine negative for those that are less familiar with film, a six by nine negative is called because it is. Six centimetres by nine centimetres or 60 mil by 90 mil, depending on how you want to think about it, compared to uh, what in digital we would call full frame, which is 24 by 36 millimetres. So it is many and I'm not going to try and do the mental arithmetic because it'll escape me. But let's say somewhere between 10 and 20 times bigger as a sensor when you shoot film of that size than a full frame digital camera so there's uh, yeah. i i don't have a 6.9 actually i have i have a 6.6 six or two uh, i have a 6.12 uh, which actually the 6.12 i have requires a uh, a lens that was designed for a large format four by five camera to actually cover sure. it um and the amount of detail you get on a negative that that size is just extraordinary so
1: yeah so i'm also bringing a tripod so so uh again that that is formal gear i've also had to determine what kind of film to bring with that camera. I'm bringing some panchromatic film, I'm bringing some orthochromatic film. Uh, It's constant daylight there, so we don't have night. So the um,
0: orthochromatic, right this and I don't know the technicality of this but the but the orthochromatic I believe has a different response to light frequencies and it doesn't respond to the panchromatic I think is so cool because it responds to all visible light frequencies pan yeah. pan spectrum but orthochromatic is is it less less blue no it doesn't see red or something I I don't know do you tell me
1: basically, for the purposes of our conversation, it will see less in different ways and and create a different aesthetic. I think that's really it. Um, How the light and the snow and the ice and the water affect what I'm going to see, because I've never been there, uh, though originally I'm from Canada. So I'm very familiar (laughs) with (laughs) snowy landscapes, shall we say, grew up. Walking to school with those um so there is that that i'm looking forward to so that kind of formalism is going to slow me down as well as the, the trudging through trudging through I, snow but, in
0: yeah in very cold temperatures will slow you down yeah. as well yeah
1: so and and you know but i have to consider well changing film well that's you know that's not going to be that simple no and you're, not, you're not going to get
0: many shots per roll either eh? are you because no,
1: uh, uh, a you can get eight shots on a roll for a uh, six by nine uh but i'm going to approach it very much like four by five photography which is like set it up wait for the light make it good mm. take a picture
0: that's a really and, I, do you know i really like that as a process it's not i know this is probably going to sound daft but I'm not sure I've ever really considered medium format in, in that way medium format film I've often I've, yeah like most things I shoot handheld so whether it's a Holger or a Bronica or my Chroma or whatever it is um apart from a pinhole camera which you do need to hold fairly steady steady I I often just shoot I've never really considered medium format as a format for formal photography in the large format sense that's another that's a good thought I like
1: that yeah uh, I you know it's also very, very fun to do the opposite. In other words, take medium format and I've done this with a six by nine and put a sort of a uh, a cheap flash on it and just handheld it you know on the street and done almost this is a segue but done, done o- almost kind of snapshot shots uh, but with incredible. Um, detail. Yeah. And okay. Blow yeah. Them well, up. yeah. And that's well, kind of life. fun. So, but going back to it, then I had to think, well, how much black and white film do I take versus color? And that's where the difficult decision comes in. And so I've elected to make most of my film a color, fine grain, um, color negative film. Okay. And I, I, and I do that because. A, I don't want to be on the ice and go, oh, man, this blue, the, the ice, the color is so beautiful and soft. And here I am with panchromatic film. And it's just a different thing. And so um, I'll be fully capable of moving the image from color to black and white should I want to do that um, in post. And that's something we can discuss in a bit of what that feels like. Um, and the other consideration is, well, I'm going to be doing a lot of flying down there, so I need lead bags.
0: Yeah, and your Nowadays. film doesn't want to be too fast either, does it?
1: No. So it's slower film, uh, and it is all packed in lead, a lead bag to go through um, security. And so there can't be that, I can't take that many. So yeah. my approach to film photography in landscape, whether it's black and white, which is the subject, um, is going to be considered with every role I put in the camera, I'm thinking this is going to be one or two photographs. Mm. And that's it. Yeah, yeah. That's my expectation. Uh, I'm also bringing my trusty Leica, which uh, <laughs> is which my one? go-to camera. The, Q, the Q2. The Q2. Um, okay, okay. I thought you were Q2, going to say something about a
0: monochrome what? then, or something like that. Is it? Is it? Is it? No,
1: well, the Q2 is weather-resistant, so ah, okay. it's could be splashed and it's sealed, and and I think that's very, very important. Um, it's penguin-proof, and, yeah. <laughs> it's penguin-proof. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and then I won't have to uh, manage the decision-making process of black and white and color. Well, the other thing about uh, with a camera that,
0: like that as well, you won't have to worry about changing lenses or even carrying lots of spare lenses because yeah, it's no, a fixed lens camera, isn't it?
1: It's a fixed lens and um, it, it is my favorite camera that I have. So, I, I mean, I just, I, I love this camera and I'll be bringing my phone as well. So there's that. that's Um, good
0: can i recommend right you don't have to recommend this one but my my trusty olympus tough camera right um Mm -hmm. i think if you're going somewhere that harsh i would recommend you have something that's properly weatherproof so that you can step outside for 30 seconds in a snowstorm when you see something
1: well the leica is that it's that good is it okay
0: all right if it's that good good yeah
1: it's designed i mean you could literally throw water on it oh okay it survives nicely yeah so uh, it's one of the reasons that I like that camera so much because you don't have to baby it. Though if you muck up the lens, <laughs> because it's fixed,
0: that sounds pricey. You might yeah, buy yeah. A new
1: one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm also bringing a couple of little things. I have this Canon. It's a like a monocular that has the equivalent of a 600 millimeter lens.
0: Oh, I've sh- Yeah, per, that's the. T- yeah, I've. I've. You've talked about yeah, that before, and, actually. And yeah.
1: And it's quite good. It's it's quite good. It's quite fun. Fits in a pocket. It's it's easy to do, and it's it's like a little you know, monocular that you can snap a little image with. Um, So that's that's really the gear. But as we're really discussing black and white, the the instinct of committing early, which is film, Mm -hmm. and that's where you go, unless you use neural color in because now <laughs> we could recolorize our, our photographs. With AI. Our AI will and, save with us. With AI. <laughs> yeah, AI, it'll either,
0: it's, it's, AI so, is definitely a kill or cure thing, isn't it, right? It'll either save the
1: world <laughs> or it'll just kill us all off like in Terminator. Well, yeah, and Chris and I are just like we are feeding each other like sugar highs on all of these rapid models and whatnot. Well, yeah, that's subject for another day. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about conversion of color to black and white because mm-hmm. those of us who shoot um, digitally primarily um, have a lot of options now. I mean, we've talked endlessly about our favorite iPhone applications. Oh yeah, yeah, we um, have. Yeah. You know that that are really fantastic um, in terms of allowing us to, to see the world in black and white instantly. Um, but I've, I've, I use um, and have used Photoshop for a long time with a lot of different plugins and Silver Effects, which is uh, a excellent plugin, very specifically designed for black and white conversions. And what it, what it really does is it, it will look at the color of an image and allow you to adjust where you want the grays to be. So it'll, it'll offer you, like, do you want this skin tone to be on the darker side, on the contrastier side, on the, the brighter side, the more mellow, softer, etc. cetera? And, and so silver effects will give you, A, it'll match uh, different film types, and also allow you to create a really balanced um, version. So we'll kind of do what black and white film purports to do through the lens, but it'll do it afterwards. Just turning the desaturation bar to zero (laughs) doesn't really do it because you're really losing a whole lot of image when you do that.
0: That yes, so uh, yeah, that that so so. Tell, do you have a a preferred way of doing these things? Then you know, is it is there? I mean, you mentioned the tool, obviously, uh, but do you have uh, an approach? I mean, some people use things like channel mixers to get the balance. Uh, you know, to to get a balance. Other people will, um, yeah. For other people, they'll use the zone system, of course, and have some way of of. Yeah working the zone system. I, think, I seem to remember some years ago, even seeing that somebody had built a, a Photoshop plugin that would allow you to yeah, you know, give you a user interface that could approximately you know, allow you to work with, you know, sort of in the, within the metaphor of the zone system in Photoshop.
1: I think it's by Ciem, Sim, uh, who, who regularly puts up a lot of black and white, um, uh, software that integrates with Photoshop does excellent job. So I, I do use different ones channel mixing is is interesting too though I, I find that Silver effects gives me it basically is doing that uh, with a, a simpler interface. Hmm. But yeah, you can go in and basically go okay, let's look at the reds. let's find where the where you want the red, Eighteen percent gray to be, or <laughs> you know, you can you can adjust that, and of course now you can you can use all manner of masking to. Desaturate. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the, the masking oh. these days
0: is is incredible, isn't it? But even if you just play with with kernel ch- color channels, um, I'm just again for for people that are not familiar with this, um think about when you see a black and white photograph and the sky is very very dark or almost black or very very dark gray. Uh, and, you know, one of the ways that you can approximate that in conversion is to reduce the luminosity in the blues, uh, because yeah. if you can if you can kill off the, the the blues and the sky is predominantly blue, then that will make the blue that, that will make the sky go darker. So so there's all sorts <laughs> of things you can play with.
1: Yeah, um, and fun and also gives the image a completely different view. And and like we were just alluding to, you know, now with neural, if you do shoot black and white and want to go back to color, <laughs> you could use AI to recolorize it. So, it does seem, uh, you know, uh, yeah, that seems crazy, but you know, why not? It does. Um, it all does. of all of these are interesting, and uh, you know, in my work, I can go a little further because I I'm printing from something called Print Tool. I use uh, a RIP, and I can. Actually, allocate in my printer how much in each of these zones um, I allocate ink, so I can I can even adjust the print settings Ah, for different zones to get exactly what it is I need. Interesting, Uh, but I wouldn't. It's not for the faint of heart. (laughs) Well, you do so.
0: You do a lot with black and white printing, don't you? Because you do the piezo printing and stuff like that as well. Yeah, I mean, I,
1: I would say I. My principal work is in black and white, yeah, and um yeah, i am I'm, I'm pushing myself hard to kind of move into more color work um but I'm trying to get the the final result, the color work um to where I think it should be uh, because i i I love excellent prints, and excellent prints to me is it's not just. Oh that's nice and snappy an image it's the actual object of the print looks mm-hmm. and feels where it's the paper the way the ink is velvety on it i mean there's something sensual about the object of the photograph mm. that um again segue uh, this week my current exploration has been to be printing uh on vellum which is Again, well, you, talk, you talked to d- us
0: about that a bit last week. Yes, didn't you? Yeah. So yeah, no. you've been taking that further, have you?
1: Yeah. I, I, I printed on vellum. I, I found the right uh, balance in the printer so I get no smudges. Ah, good. Uh, that, then dry it, um, mask it on the back. And I have been both silver gilding and gold leafing on the back. Yeah. So that... That where you have highlights, you either have gold or silver, and um, if if you choose your image right, it, it's pretty amazing. I mean, that's an object, and then of course uh, I've been varnishing the image, so it, it's very. And you can see brushstrokes; it feels very painterly, mm-hmm. but um, and the images are. Um, Photographic like, but they all are from AI. Mm-hmm. so <laughs> there it, it it's a journey, but but an interesting one. Um, and it's it's very different effect from looking at something on a screen. Yes, it, it, yeah. it, it is a beautiful uh-huh. object. But you know, where does this lie in terms of the future of photography in terms of black and white? Because I think that's what's interesting. Black and white will be with us, I think, as long as photography is with us. Um, And I think full circle, it's because it abstracts the subject and it gets it closer to uh, a more pure version of what it is. I love black and white movies. I would love to make a movie in black and white. It's always a big battle. Um I'm sure, sure it is. The, <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, I've done some TV shows that they allowed me to make black and white, a whole version, you know, a whole
0: sometimes it really episode. works. So so one of the films I love that is shot in black mm-hmm. and white is uh, The Man Who Wasn't There. Uh which, yeah, yeah. Billy Billy Bob Thornton and uh, Danny DeVito uh, it's a Cohen Brothers movie, I think, is it?
1: Yeah, because it, you're you're looking at something that is an abstract of, in movies, say, human emotions or fun or noir, which comes from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's little distraction because color can be a distraction. Um, yes, and it that's can that's why indeed. I tend yeah. to shoot. To, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but with technology that's available to us, Um, the conversion has always been much simpler going from color to black and white. And now I think we're seeing, uh, the opposite that we can go from black and white.
0: We'll have to see some, we'll have to shoot some. So when you get back from your trip, then I want to see some of that stuff you shot on black and white film. I want to see it colored and uh yeah with, with ai and we'll see see what it see what you can yeah. come up with
1: can it be real in can other words be... will it look realistic like who you? knows who know. knows yeah. cool okay well that's
0: brilliant so excellent i enjoyed that i wish we could talk for longer but it's probably time we wrap this up Um, uh we go on to our, our picks of the week do you have a pick of the week this week
1: um no i don't have a pick of the week because i i i just thought my pick of the week is just looking at the world through black and white. That's lenses. a that's a jolly
0: good pick of the week. No, very happy I think with that. that's I'm, my pick. Okay. Well, I have one that is, I, I have a pick of the week, which actually really is a follow on from Chris's pick of the week last week, because Chris chose the, the uh, affinity software announcement hmm. that was being teased. Of course, one week on. Uh, We've now all spent our money on the new products launched by Serif or the Affinity thing. So, uh, yeah, the big thing, of course, was uh, the version two release of all three of the Affinity software packages. So photo designer and publisher uh and not and they have come out with an amazing licensing offer. I say that I've already bought this, right? They're not a sponsor. I've put my own money into this. I wish they were a sponsor. Um but for in the UK 90 pounds, so whatever the equivalent is elsewhere, you can get what they call a universal license. So you get all three of those applications, professional grade applications on all platforms uh for 90 pounds so that will work on a windows pc it'll work on a mac and it'll they'll work on an ipad as well um and when you think about uh, that as a, a, a that how powerful that software is uh, i'm inclined to think that's a, an astonishingly good price um, so uh so i i i bought the, i had half yeah, their that- products anyway but i've bought the new ones
1: <laughs> so i i have three affinity project products so You'd say it, it makes sense to bundle it all.
0: Yeah. So they, there's there's no uh, the, because the opening deal is so good, there isn't an upgrade deal for those who have some version one products. Version two products are completely new, um, and so you just have to buy them. But the fact that you can get the you know photo, which of course is their equivalent, of Photoshop, uh, a designer, which is their equivalent of uh, what's the Adobe one, which does the vector graphics. Yeah. I forget. Illustrator
1: uh, or designer. Illustrator, that's right.
0: And then what they call publisher is the equivalent of Adobe (coughs) designer, I think. It's the layout one. So you get photography, vector graphics, and layout all at professional grade on multiple Ah. platforms for, in my case, £90. I assume it's something like $100 or or whatever in in, in the US. So uh, very good value for money. I That's a good pick. Yeah. Cool. Well, excellent. Well, good to speak to you. Hopefully, we will have uh, Chris back with us next week. Um, and uh, yo, yeah, until then, everybody, take care, and we'll speak to you soon. Goodbye.
1: Bye bye. You've been listening to the future of photography.